Macworld Podcast, number 39, May 16th, 2006. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Sarus Faravar. Today, I am so excited. The new MacBooks just came out. I rolled out of bed this morning at 6.30, opened up my computer, checked out the Apple website, and sure enough, the new MacBooks are out and available. They come in black and white colors. They start at the 1.83 Core Duo chips from Intel, and these are just really going to be some sweet, sweet computers, and I'm really excited. Um, We've got a couple of MacBooks in-house. Some of our staff went and pick them up today. We're going to be having some first looks and reviews and blog entries and all that kind of stuff at Macworld.com later on this week. We've got some initial uh, impressions available at MacUser.com, and we're going to hear from some of those folks in today's podcast. So without further ado, we're going to get right into things, and we're going to hear from our own editorial director, Jason Snell, who spent maybe, you know, at this point, I would say an hour and change uh, with the new MacBook, and we're going to hear his impressions right now. All right, I'm here with Jason Snell, editorial director of Macworld, and uh, he was the first among the Macworld staffers to get his hands on the much-anticipated MacBook. I know I've been gunning for one for months now, and, and they're finally here. Um, so, Jason, what's, uh, what are your first impressions? Yeah, I elbowed everybody else out of the way in order to get to the front of the line. Um, it, it was... Uh it was actually fun taking it uh, taking it out of the box. The, the buzz around the office is much more than I think I've seen for a new piece of uh, Mac hardware in a few years here. And we had a, at least half a dozen people in the office crowded in my office today while I was taking it out of the box. So um, interesting. I think people have really been waiting for for uh, a lower cost Intel laptop, uh, an iBook replacement, and we got it today with uh, with the MacBook. Um, it's an interesting product. It's definitely a hybrid of the iBook and the 12-inch PowerBook and something larger like a more traditional MacBook Pro PowerBook kind of thing. It's a lot wider than a 12-inch PowerBook or a 12-inch iBook, um, but that width is almost entirely due to the wider screen. It's a little bit heavier than the, the 12-inch PowerBook, but in terms of the features, it actually is very much like that 12-inch PowerBook. So, we, you know, it's not a full-featured laptop in the sense that the MacBook Pro is, but it's got a pretty surprisingly widespread of features. It's not a, a, a severely crippled laptop by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it's interesting. We've had, talking with some of the various editors who've seen it online or actually gotten their hands on one, uh, we've heard different comparisons. Rob Griffiths was saying, oh, it's a Mac Mini with a screen. And John was saying, oh, it's a pared-down MacBook Pro, you know, minus the video card and, and a couple other things. But, you know, he was pointing out that it has a lot of the same features that the MacBook Pro does, like, uh, you know, optical audio and audio in and, and things like that that the iBook has lacked uh, in previous iterations. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting to talk about what this... Obviously, there are lots of ways to look at this product. Um, uh, one way you could talk about it is by what Apple didn't do with it, which is there is no core solo version for cheap, which I was worried that they were going to do. And I, I, they, it would allow them to have a lower price point as a starter, which I guess might be good from a marketing perspective. But given the performance of the core solo in the, in the Mac Mini, I'm kind of glad that they didn't go there. 
Um, you know, they could, there, there could have been more things that could have not had the audio. There, there are lots of stuff like that. They could have not had um, front row and a remote. They could have not had a built-in eyesight. And the, all those features are in there. So um, Apple went with some stuff that you might have thought that they would have cheaped out on, on a low-end laptop. And some other things like a Core Solo processor they chose not to do even though that would have allowed them to get it down cheaper so it is i think more fully featured than i would have guessed if you had told me yesterday pretend that there's a new macbook what what would the feature set be i think i would have underguessed the features so that's impressive now one of the obvious um differences in these macbooks from the previous ones is that you there's an option to get them in black uh and you have to get the higher-end MacBook to get the black versions. And you were talking about earlier how you're a fan of the, of the black color. You have the black iPod and, and so forth. Um, how does it feel and look uh, differently compared to the white one? You, you got two of them, as I understand, uh, both a white one and a black one to test out. Yeah, we've got two in the lab right now, a white one and a black one. Um, the black one, I do have a black iPod. The difference with the iPods is that the iPods are both very glossy. And the MacBook, it's not that way. The, the white MacBook is very much like the white iBook. It's, it's the classic white iBook look. It's, it's shiny white plastic. The black one is matte. It's not a shiny finish. It really looks different. It reminds me, I mean, I hadn't even thought about this until I saw one for the first time, and I immediately flashed back to the Wall Street era power books, those black matte power books that, that existed before the titanium came out. And it, that's what it reminded me of. It, it, it's, it's really kind of cool looking, but it's a very different look. It's not like um, shiny, shiny white iBook in black. It definitely is a, is a different kind of look, and I think it's going to appeal to a lot of people who, um, for whatever reason, you know, either because they didn't like the look of the, the white iBook or because they associated the white laptop with the low-end laptop and they would never, you know, deign to be associated with that. Well, now they've got another color they can go to. And, you know, I think it's smart for Apple to put it in the high end. This is stuff that Apple has done before, right? They, they, they take something like the U2 edition it's the same uh, of the iPod, which was that first black iPod. It's the same trick, right? They're, they're kind of um, creating something that's more expensive, but it's a little, you know, a little bit special because they know that some people are going to want to pay extra to get it because... They uh, they think it's really cool, and I have to say, if I was shopping for a um, if I was shopping for a MacBook, I think that um, I think that I would pay the pay the money and go to the high end and also get the black if I if I could because I, I do like the black um, at first glance. I mean, granted, I've spent an hour with with these products so far, so it's early days yet, and we don't know how they're going to wear. But um, off the top of my head, I think the black looks pretty cool, and it's definitely very different from the white one. Now, on first impressions, uh, there's a few different things that are sort of striking uh, that make a difference from the, the previous iterations, obviously, aside from, from the color change. Um, one difference is that this new one doesn't seem to have a latch of any kind. Tell me about that. Yeah, it, it's, it, it brings to mind the old clamshell iBook, the original clamshell iBook. Unlike recent Mac laptops where you've pushed in the latch and opened it up, this you, you know, basically that latch area is gone, and instead you've got an indentation on the bottom, and it sticks out on the top, and you take your thumb, and you, you, you peel it open, and it opens. And there's a magnet under there that's totally hidden that is helping attract it and keep it closed, but it's um, basically being powered by the, the, 
the the spring by the by the latch on the other side. It, it, it's by that that hinge. Um, and uh, so yeah, if you want it open, you just kind of take your thumb and and open your laptop, and it's it, you don't have to stick your finger there and find the button and press it and open it. And it's very much like that old that old iBook. Um, some other differences too. I mean, it, it is really a different product. It is not. It's the first. Um, Intel system that Apple's released that is noticeably different from the product that came before it. Um, the Mac Mini looked on the outside exactly like the older Mac Mini, except for the infrared port. The iMac looked just like the previous iMac. The the MacBook Pro looks just like the uh, the the aluminum power books, except for the infrared. Um, this MacBook is different from the iBook or from the 12-inch PowerBook. The, um, not only is there they'll change with the latch, the screen is very different. It's this wide 13-inch widescreen display with a glossy finish, um, which means that it, it looks, I think it looks better and brighter when you're looking at it, but um, it also has more glare. So it'll be interesting to see. I think some people will love it and some people will hate it. Um, the keyboard is different. Instead of having sort of this keyboard unit where you can kind of lift off the keyboard and there's something underneath and, and a ribbon cable and you can take it away or you can pop off the individual keys, this keyboard has square keys. They're, um, they go to the edge and then they go straight down at a right angle instead of being tapered like on past PowerBooks. And they're essentially jutting up through the case. So... Um, in between the keys, there's nothing but the case. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's almost like instead of the feeling that you're typing on a little pillar that's on a on on top of a very flat a, a very flat housing, it's almost like you're pressing in this button that's going deep down inside the laptop, and who knows what's happening down there. It's a uh, it's different, and it, it looks kind of cool, and it feels pretty good too. So it's certainly for people who are keyboard snobs. You know, some people are going to try it out and love it and some people are going to hate it but it's definitely a change I, I think that if you're expecting the feel of an iBook or a PowerBook keyboard from this MacBook you're not going to get it you're going to get something that's a little bit different um, if you tend to drop crumbs and things in your keyboard this will actually I think be good because rather than disappearing down into the innards of your system th- I think they're just going to kind of sit there on the outside of the case that's a good thing um, and you know the other the other thing that I noticed about it is that the it's got a scrolling trackpad. So you know you stick two fingers on it and scroll up and down, and it acts like a scroll wheel, which is a feature that remember when that came out that was a high end PowerBook feature, and now it's in all of Apple's laptops. And I I am somebody who got used to that feature, and I couldn't live without it now. So it's great to see that um, in this MacBook as well. So now that we've seen the update of most of the line. The only exception being the replacement for the G5. Any sense on knowing what you've seen with the Mac Mini ranging from uh, the MacBook replacing the iBook to what this next generation of really high-end Macs would look like? You know, it's a it's an interesting question. I, I think I think Intel has chips coming down the pike that they're. I think it's the Core Two Duo now that we're talking about. Um, I think that's the name that they're giving it. Not very exciting. Um, I think that's where we're going to see the chip that's going to power the desktop pro desktop replacement for the for the Power Mac G5. It's a mystery. I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess that it's going to be something that looks kind of like the G5 does because that enclosure hasn't been out there too long and Apple has generally not done anything radical with their systems in getting them to Intel. I think the Intel transition is radical enough that they don't want to scare people by having it look like a completely new system on top of it. I think they want their strategy, I think, has clearly been to get people comfortable with the new Intel systems and to know that they're still 
just Macs. They're not anything weird. And then we'll start to see more radical designs next year. Um, so if I had to guess, I would say that the G5's replacement, and what they're going to call it, I don't know, they said that they're kind of tired of the word power. So is it going to be the Mac or the Mac Pro? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I would think that it'll probably look like the G5, and you know, hopefully it'll be out soon. I, I, my guess would be more like the fall. Um, you got to realize that um, now that the Apple's Pro apps are out there, um, people who use Final Cut Pro, stuff like that, they can use an Intel system and run it at full speed. But all of the Apple customers who are buying Power Macs to run Photoshop um, or, or any other native application that, um, that, or any other application that isn't native yet, that isn't universal yet, those people are going to hesitate, and there are a lot of Photoshop users out there. So in some ways, I think Apple isn't as worried about getting, um, getting that system out as as you might think. Um, but certainly now that Final Cut Pro and the whole Pro app suite is out there, there's a little bit more pressure because those people might be ready to go uh, and make the switch. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I also think there's a possibility that we'll see other MacBooks. Um, I, I really think that with this, with the MacBook and the MacBook Pro, you know, there there are some opportunities to maybe do a sub-notebook, um, maybe do some other other stuff. I, the, the users of the 12-inch PowerBook, a lot of them I think will find... Uh, a friend in the MacBook, but um, some of them who really just demand the smallest laptop possible will be uh, will not be satisfied with the MacBook because it is not the smallest laptop possible. It is heavier than the 12-inch PowerBook. It is wider than the 12-inch PowerBook. And for them, you know, is there a sub-notebook out there from Apple? Um, they haven't done one recently. Um, they really have only done one kind of ever. So, um, I think that would be really interesting, but that's just speculation. They may never go there. It's um, it'll be interesting to see because that's the big mystery. Is we've seen all these products that have analogs with old Mac models, and um, the next step is going to be new Intel-based Macs that are not like anything we've seen before. And hopefully, we'll be seeing that stuff soon. All right, Jason. Well, thanks a lot, and keep us posted with future updates with the MacBook. Thank you. We're also going to hear from our blogger Dan Morin a blogger at MacUser.com. He, along with myself and a few others, are bloggers at MacUser.com. Every day we provide the best uh, news about the Mac from around the web. And he went out to his local Apple store in Massachusetts very early this morning to get his hands on the MacBook. And even before we had them here in our offices in San Francisco, he went out to the Apple Store, got his hands on them, and he has a blog entry at MacUser.com. So I encourage you all to go out there and check that out. So we're going to check in with him and uh, have him tell us about what he saw. Dan Morin of MacUser.com, thanks a lot for being in the Macworld Podcast. My pleasure, Saroos. So you were the first one uh, among the five of us on MacUser and probably one of the first bloggers out there today to get their hands on a MacBook in the wild in one of the Apple stores. Um, where'd you go and uh, what were your first impressions? Well, I just drove over to the Chestnut Hill Apple store over here in Newton, Massachusetts, which is only a couple minutes drive from my house, and uh, popped in there. They had one store employee sort of carrying one around with them. They weren't really set up for general use or not. Um, and they had a, an older gentleman was looking at it, so I sort of drifted over and, and took a look while he was playing around with it. Um, overall, I was, I was really impressed with it. It's a sleek-looking machine. It's very nice, very slick, very reminiscent of the current iBooks, but at the same time, it's got a few differences um, externally and, of course, under the hood, as we know. 
So I'd have to say that um, it's interesting to to see whether or not this will uh, this will be a big compliment to the power books or not. I mean, how a, how it depending on how it looks, but I think that it's a it's a really promising looking machine overall. Now, one of the concerns that a lot of people have had so far online and uh, also here in in the Macworld offices is this issue of the glossy screen. Um, you said in your post that it looked like that that you know there was a sheet of plastic essentially over the regular screen. Um, w- tell us more about that. Yeah, it was hard to tell exactly. I mean, it looked almost kind of like a filter. Um, I've seen this on some PC laptops, but it wasn't quite what I expected. It's very glossy. It's very shiny. Even one of the store employees I was talking to commented that he could see the reflections of all the other people in the store while he was just sort of looking at it from an angle. And there is a little bit of... Not exactly color distortion, but if you stand at a slight angle, the colors do change a little bit. So I don't know um, how that's really an impact or not. At the same time, we all had sort of the strange impression that the colors almost seemed to be more vivid, if there was as if there was something that the the filter was was doing. But we weren't sure whether or not it was an optical illusion. As for myself, I'm not really made up my mind whether or not that's a a significant. A sort of downside to this one, but it's it's certainly a factor to consider. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like from the photos that the keys are more straight instead of flared, like a more traditional keyboard. Um, does that make them more responsive, just better design? What's, what's your feeling on that? Well, I did take a few seconds to sort of try typing a few things out, and they are definitely, like you said, a lot straighter. They're more like individual buttons, almost kind of like the trackpad button. Um, rather than the more traditional keys we've seen. They're a little bit more widely spaced, too. Um, this may cut down on you know people hitting the wrong keys when they're trying to type things in, since they all seem to be sort of isolated. But the biggest difference that I'd have to say is that <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, there's more room in between the keys, and that room is sort of it's part of the case itself. Um, it's not a whole one-piece flip-up keyboard like all the uh, previous laptop models. And, I mean, from my impression, it seems like it'll be a heck of a lot easier to clean out in between the keys if you get dirt or food or whatever spilled in there. But um, the keys seemed pretty responsive. There's not quite as much of a push down as there was with the old sort of uh, scissor-based, the, the uh, little keys on the old laptops. It's, they're a lot more like buttons than they are like keys. Now, I guess the last thing uh, that everyone wants to know about is, of course, the eyesight camera built right into the top there. Um, This is, I assume, probably the same as in the new MacBook Pros and uh, the new iMacs as well. You were saying that you thought that perhaps it might be better, it might be a better quality camera than the original iSight. Yeah, this is purely subjective, but I did, uh, I was playing around with it a little bit. I took a picture, which you can see, uh, I posted it on the Mac user blog, and um, it seemed very sharp, and this camera seemed really good quality, and there didn't seem to be as much of a sort of a haloing effect that I had seen on some of the other previous iSights. But then again... I don't know what the specs are. I haven't looked closely, so I don't know if this is just my head getting in the way or not. Mm-hmm. What was the general vibe? I mean, you said that you were talking to another guy who was who was looking at it, and also some of the staff who were showing them off. What was their sort of feeling? Were they were they happy with uh, with what came out with this MacBook? I mean, people have been expecting it. I know I've been expecting it for for months now. 
Um, you know, what did it meet sort of their expectations? I think to a certain extent. I mean, there were still some factors to be decided. Like I said, people hadn't quite made up their mind about the screen or whatever. But what was interesting for me to notice was that, you know, you could tell that the, the news had already sort of percolated through the Mac community because as I was standing there, obviously there was this, this older gentleman who had definitely come in this morning expecting to see it. And there were also uh, a couple kids, sort of younger guys, came in while I was standing there and were sort of eyeing it from in the distance. And I could overhear them talking, and it was pretty clear that they had read the news this morning, had come over pretty quick. Um, so everybody seemed to want to get their hands on it, and I think a lot of people were just sort of, you know, the way it always is with the first a new Apple product. People want to touch it. People want to sort of look around, peer at every little detail. Um, and I, I don't know how if they thought it met their expectations or not, but um, I think everybody is seeming pretty enamored of this newest addition to the, the Mac family. Great. Well, I guess that leaves just one last question, which is, which MacBook are you going to get? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm eyeing a, uh, a mid-range white one. As much as I think the black one would be nice, I mean, I really miss my old uh, black PowerBook. Um, just the, the premium that they've seen to add on for just the black color and the 20 gig hard drive improvement seems a little questionable to me. So I'm thinking about that mid-range one boosted up to maybe a gig of RAM, but uh, we'll have to see if it's in the cards for me. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan Morin, and uh, keep us posted if you get your hands on any of the other new Apple hardware. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Sarus. So, that about wraps up the show for show number 39. Um, I can't even tell you again how excited I am. I'm going to be getting my own MacBook probably later this week. I'll probably be getting the lower model, uh, the white one. You can't, unfortunately, get the black one in the lower model. Otherwise, I would love it, but it's a little bit too pricey for me at this point. Maybe in the next round of iBooks, uh, I'll go black. But... You know, no matter what, the new MacBooks are really exciting. Um, you know, they're cheaper, faster, better, uh, etc. All of those things. Even got the new iSight camera, so I'll finally be able to play with that uh, and use iChat and and Photo Booth and all of those fun things that I've seen demoed, but haven't really been able to use on my own on a daily basis. Um, also, anxious to try out Rosetta, see how it handles uh, some of my older applications that haven't been updated to uh, Universal Binary yet, but. You know, it's really, I've been really impressed at how fast this transition has been happening and more and more applications that I use every day, for example, Fire uh, is now available as a universal binary. So my transition, I imagine, should be relatively painless and, and we'll see. And I'll be sure and, and uh, tell you about it in upcoming podcasts. Also wanted to remind you to uh, let us know about, if you happen to get one of these MacBooks, um, please do send us an audio comment. Record a comment right there on the MacBook and send it over to me, cfaravar at macworld.com. Of course, we still have our contest going. If you send me an audio comment and I like it and I play it on a future podcast, you'll have your choice of uh, some iTrips and we've got a couple iPod mini cases left and a few other things. So please do record a comment for me. Send it on over. We announced some of the winners in last show. Uh, we're not going to have time to play any comments today, but perhaps in the next couple of podcasts we'll be able to um, get rid of all this loot that's uh, sitting around my desk, and I'm, I'm happy to send it out to our, to our listeners. So um, please do send me audio comments. Written comments are always welcome. See far of our macworld.com. Also, please leave comments on the forum. 
We have a little, uh, you know, comment on this post button down at the bottom of the show notes. So, you know, go on and engage in the discussion with your fellow listeners, all that stuff. Also, feel free to leave comments on Dan Morin's post at MacUser.com or any of the other posts at MacUser.com. We try and keep it updated as, as best we can. So we're all really excited. I'm going to be, you know, getting my MacBook and uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but we really appreciate your listening and uh, hope you uh, can give us some more ideas for future podcasts and anything else that you'd like to contribute. Signing off from San Francisco, this is Sarus Faravar for the Macworld Podcast.